CorporalNetwork.com. This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by Noble Knight, where out of print is available again, and listeners like you, thanks for using the Tome's Amazon affiliate links. Welcome to the Tome Book Club for January and February of 2016. The Tome is a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Tracy Hurley. And I'm Jeff Greiner, and in each book club episode, we discuss one D&D-related book, spoilers be damned, in full book club style. And our book this time around is Ashes of the Tyrant, the latest in the Brimstone Angel series by Aaron M. Evans. And later in this episode, we'll be talking to Aaron, but for now, let me introduce our other book club co-host eric paquette hello how are you guys doing doing well pretty well it's good and also joining us is the master of appendix n and all things tolkien jeffrey d wen how are you doing jeff Hidely ho neighborinos i'm doing swell <laughs> Hidely ho <laughs> are, so you my, are you my internet neighbor i i am won't does you, that won't make you me homer be, be my neighbor <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm impressed that, that I I already have the position of of Tolkien uh, master. Only only one episode has come out so so far. However, in my experience, you were a Tolkien master long before you started the Appendix N podcast. Well, thank you. I'm just cluing some people in so they can catch up to the fact that you are a Tolkien master. I mean, and by Tolkien master, I mean you know way more than I do. So I assume you're a master, but I also don't know enough to know if you're a master. If, if only I could somehow make money by being a, 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 Tolkien, a Tolkien master. Tolkien master, yeah. Or, or at least, or, or, or at least get, get to talk to Stephen Col- Colbert. Uh, well, you know, I'll see what I can do. I'll pull all the strings I have, which is none. Okay. <laughs> if, if if you can get Ed, Ed, Ed Greenwood on my show, I would I would consider that strings pulled. That I might be able to pull off. I, I, I or, can... or even Ms. Ms. Evans, perhaps Ms. Ms. Evans Ooh. would like to read old books old with the with the Index uh, N show. Maybe she would. Maybe she would. I could certainly uh, put some feelers out for that. Mm-hmm. So we're about to jump into our review, but first, don't forget that we how much we love Noble Knight. They can find you all sorts of hard-to-find products. My pick for this episode is a Gale Force 9 miniature of Grazd, because he's my favorite demon lord and may not be entirely unconnected to the story that we're discussing. Find this limited edition mini at Noble Knight for less than $18 and tell them that the Tome Show sent you. Support for the Tome Show comes from Noble Knight. From Noble Knight. Noble Knight? Knight. Knight? Thousands of tabletop gamers use a Noble Knight to sell new and out-of-print games and products at a discounted price. Noble Knight will also buy back the game products you aren't using anymore. NobleKnight.com, the brick-and-mortar online store where out-of-print is available again. Tell them the Tome Show sent you. I use Noble Knight. You do? I love it. It's trying to sound creepy, though. All right, and we're back. It is time to talk about Ashes of the Tyrant. So... Based on your interpretation, what is Ashes of the Tyrant about? Um, let's go, Eric. It's about lots of stuff, but basically it's how the uh, dealing with the politics of Timanter and the generals while 
uh, doll is dealing with family issues, plus then demons just pop it up because it's the Rage of Demons situation. Yeah, though you don't get, I mean, you never get any sort of explanation that there's a Rage of Demons situation. They just sort of keep showing up. Oh, yeah. Well, if you remember back to my uh, review of the Rage of Demons adventure, that was also my complaint about that, that adventure. Is you never <laughs> got an explanation as to why the demons are showing up. Right. Uh, there's sort of allusions to it in the second half, but yeah, there's not much uh, detailed. But you've been you've been reading the the Drist books, I believe it's explained in it in those books. Okay. Yep, it is explained in that book how it happened, and then the yeah. adventure sort of explains how it ends. And I I'm getting the impression that this story sort of takes place amongst um, you know between those times. Mm-hmm. What I heard, what well, it was basically, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, isn't because a drow wizard tried to summon some demons and screwed up on the spell and just summoned all the demons? Yeah, so sort of. I mean, it wasn't just a drow wizard. It was the archmage of Minzo Baranzan, uh, Gronf Binray, who's been around forever. So it's, it's, the, it's the explanation that's behind every event in D&D. A, a wizard uh, screwed things up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, well, and it was, and it was, uh, he had been sort of been learning psionics as well to make himself even more powerful. And then he, he was given a ritual uh, that was slowly sort of psychically implanted in his brain by the person training him that he thought would do this thing with demon summoning uh, and then ended up um, tapping into the fair's rest, which is this magical aura throughout the Underdark. Uh, and so it sort of opened up the fair's rest as giant portals that brought in all the demon lords. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For next time, for his, as a little suggestion for him, if he wants to tap magic and psionics, he should go to Dark Sun. That would be a place to do it, yep. I think he should have waited until the 5th edition psy- psionic rules came out. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have been so, nearly so messed up, right? right. Anyways. But yes, that was a, a long story to explain why there's like a handful of demons in this book. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, it's a pretty big handful of demons because you you have one demon lord. He's a handful all by him, him himself. He is, uh, well, there's, and there's three demon lords that make appearances. Two as cameos, and one who makes a big appearance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell. Uh, so we know. So Grast sort of is a major demon lord in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I know that there were references to Orcus and Demogorgon. Are those the two you were thinking of? Yes. Okay. Yep. Orcus even has uh, sp- speaking lines, but it's 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 mostly it's it's mostly Grass and and uh, Grass is a actually actually has a, has a long history with well I mean all the demon lords do but but Grass is is especially important in the in the Greyhawk setting. Hmm. He was he was summoned and imprisoned by the infamous uh, evil witch Ig- Igwilov, and and gave birth to the to the uh, demigod Ayus, who's hmm. basically the Sauron of that of that setting. Uh, I, I'm a bit disappointed that Igwilov herself didn't didn't show up. I, I I hope maybe she shows up in later books, but she's she's kind of a fan favorite. Yeah, but she's also Greyhawk. I don't know if they're. I mean, she could, she absolutely can, and theoretically has um, made it to the realms before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Maybe she, maybe she would, but I don't know if they would bring her in to the novels or not. That'd be, uh, yeah, I don't know. 
because that suddenly opens up the doors to traveling to other worlds and things in the novels, which they don't do very often. Well, nothing really seems to be uh, off limits to Ms. Ms. Evans. She seems to be comfortable with exploring the length and breadth of the Forgotten Realms. So maybe she's ready to venture into, into other, other planes. Yeah, and she's sort of like the consequences of this novel are kind of like huge too. Like she's yeah. not afraid in this novel to change the face of the realms, you know? Well, she she did that in the in the last novel novel too. Yeah. And now all my source books are 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 out of date. I have to buy new new source books. What's, what's, <laughs> what's up with that? It's a ah. horrible problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe uh she's secretly working for the marketing department all along. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> the, the, the line in my Forgotten Realms campaign setting book that says who the ruler of Tamanther is is, is is now and, and forever wrong, Jeff. What am I supposed to do? Um, play in a different time period? When it's not wrong? Oh, you just have an answer for everything. When you asked a question, I assume you wanted an answer. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, we're sort of jumping all over the place. The, this book... Just at the beginning, sort of takes off pretty quick after the last book. If I if I got the timeline right, and I looked at Jeff, Jeff uh, com- has compiled a timeline sort of right. This is this is novels. the same year as the same year. as the last two books. So it's 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 the same year that uh, Farida and Havilar came back from their Im- imprisonment. So 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 they've been been back for like less than a than a year mm. still, and yet they seem to have matured quickly. Like I remember well, when they came back, they were they were sort of still teenagers in adult bodies, right? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot's a lot's happened. I mean, they, they it, it's it seemed like they spent a lot of time in in Cormier. They were they were there for months and months, and there was, I think, there was a lot of growing up during 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 that time. That's true. And and then sort of they so they've made it to the the um, I guess it's the capital of Timanther. Uh, Jared Thymar. Yes, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I've decided that, f- f- and, and for the listeners as well, I'm just going to put this out there. I don't think I'm going to try pronouncing any of the Dragonborn names or Draconic names. Yes, that was, reading those, that was, that was by the way, yeah, you mean, I read the book. So did mm-hmm. you, did everybody else uh, listen, to it? listen to it? I did. I did, and so did I. Yeah, and the and the reader on the audiobook like nailed it. Like, is really good. And yet, mm-hmm. I've I've now listened to the book one and two thirds times, uh, maybe a little more than two thirds actually at this point. And, and she nails the pronunciation. She nails it every single time, and and perfectly so far as I can tell. And yet, I still can't say Versagathurgy or whatever it is. Versilgathurgy-ish? That's what I said, yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure they they don't record those audiobooks all in one Oh, no, no, no. I know they don't. But but Versilgathurgy-ish sounds like something you say when you're coming in the front door with your groceries and you've got your keys in your mouth and you stub your toe. (laughs) But she says it a lot and consistently. Uh, and then there's some spots like I just listened to a part uh, a little while a bit, a little, a little while before starting the recording, and within this, what has to have been like half a page of dialogue, there's like ten different draconic clan names mentioned, yeah. and who's going to go here, and who would like this, and who wouldn't like you know want to join us here, and, mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff, and it's just insane and makes my head spin the way that she does that. When you speak to Erin Evans, ask her 
how much liberty she had for creating uh, draconic names. No, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious how much liberty she had in general. I've talked to her actually a little bit. I, I uh, posted on Facebook a little bit about my, my reading experiences, and she, she and I got into a conversation about it. Um, and I know that there were some things um, that she – it sounds like she was told, you know, hey, put this in. You know, this demon lord, use that. Yeah. You figure out how, but use this demon lord sort of thing. Um, so I think there was some of that going on. So I was kind of curious how that all came yeah. together anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, grass feels natural to be with us because he is the most devilish of all of the demon lords. Right. Well, according to at least one backstory, he used to be a devil. Yeah. Hmm. Which kind of ties into, was it the succubus that switched back and forth? Mm-hmm. That they they were, they were demons and then became devils in fourth edition and then and now theoretically have gone back to being demons. Well, this is this is still this this is the year before um, the right. herald, so everything is still fourth edition mechanics theoretically. Oh, it's a year before the herald, even. Yes. Oh. Because okay. uh, that that oh okay, <laughs> you're messing with my head. Okay. Okay. Uh, I suppose because the Herald ended the Sundering. Yes. That's, that's why I made the timeline, because okay. I got tired of... <laughs> trying to figure it out, yeah. <laughs> trying yeah. to figure this stuff out. But you don't have Rage of Demons listed on there, do you? I didn't see that. Uh, I'm not sure. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess Rage of Demons takes place... At this time. <laughs> so where is this uh, timeline that you made? Uh, he emailed it to me. It's just something oh. that he put together on his own. I oh. just you know, expected that Jeff would share it with the rest of, of, of the guests... The class. Yes. I hoard, I hoard information and keep it to myself as much as possible. I'm an information broker. If you, if you want it, you can have it, but it'll cost you. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think you guys were, were pointing out, like, there's a lot about uh, Dragonborn and Draconic and stuff in this book that I don't mm. know has necessarily been talked about much before. Yeah, like society works. That was one of my, the, my curiosities: is how much of this did, was established, and how much of this did she develop? And like, I don't even know that I knew that like they built their cities inside of a inside of ziggurats. Well, Jeff, um, the the that- uh, three book series Brotherhood of the Griffin that came out during the fourth edition uh, time period. Um, well, it it mostly de- dealt with Chisenta, but they they did visit mm-hmm. uh, Tamanther for a portion of of the books, and and Jared Thymar, and the the clashes between the Dragonborn and and the the nearby Ash Giants figured in into that plot, and uh, they they talked about how the dragons or the Dragonborn don't like to worship gods uh, in that in that trilogy, but. Um, yeah, I think I think mo- most, if not all, of the political clan stuff mm-hmm. is is was new to me. Okay, see, this is why I like having you around. You you clearly have more time to read than I do. So. And also, kind of new is a fuller explanation of what happened uh, to man over time. Like, oh, to, yeah, with his relationship issues and why he was banished. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm glad that we that we finally finally got to meet Johnny. Yeah. Although although I, I guess we we really didn't didn't get much much time with him. But I I I knew that he wasn't gonna die until he and 
and Anne Mahan had a had had like an actual scene together. <laughs> so like when 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 he was like in the in the catacombs being being ambushed, I'm like, okay, well he hasn't he hasn't made up or 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 or, or had a big scene with 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 Mahan yet. So I know he's he's not 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 going to die. Mm. And I was pretty sure the grandmother at the end also wasn't going to die because that just didn't seem like Evans's. Style, hmm. yes, the grandmother, uh, gr- gr- Dal's grandmother, which was a really fun and like, neat character. She was, I, I, I did enjoy. Uh, was it Sessica Parader? Mm-hmm. Yes, Sessica Parader, the old grandmother who who secretly was a member of the Zinterim all these years, and none of her family even knew it. Yep. And suddenly it's like, oh, that's why we always got the best prices on crops and things, you know? Well, you know, that's that's back when the Black Network knew how to keep a secret. I guess, you know, now, yeah. now they're Now they're one of the five factions and, like, anybody can join, but... <laughs> well, and it did... Uh, him, uh, Dahl, and his grandmother provided a lot of learning opportunities and growth opportunities for Dahl so that maybe uh, he won't be such a jerk around Farida sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's done. A, I think this book is good for him in terms of doing a bit of growing up too. Yeah. Yeah, because he he had a lot of assumptions about his grandmother, and then to see them totally <laughs> questioned and turns out that they're wrong mm-hmm. was nice. And at the same time, like, and he also came forward as a Harper, and the Harpers and the Zints are you know as bad as antagonistic as you can get, um, and yet. He came to terms with the fact that she's a Zent, and she didn't seem to even care that he was a Harper. You know, well, it, it wasn't that big of an issue. Yeah, well, from what I gather, she was a retired Zent agent from so long ago. Now she was more concerned for her family. Yeah, than- I think I think she basically viewed being a being a Zent as a as a job, not not really a, a, a loyalty. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, she, I mean, she certainly seemed to continue to to espouse the old Zintish ways. Um, now, I don't know if it was a if she was a diehard, you know, whatever. But but I mean, she didn't seem to shy away from being that person and and owning it. So even, I guess I even guess to we'll... this day, she's running around telling all the new Zints how they're doing it wrong. It's a it's a which is. You know, a typical sort of storyline, right? Uh, or, or, or element of, of a story is, is the old vet who's like, you're doing it all wrong. You don't know what you're doing. Back in my day sort of stories mm-hmm, all the time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 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 I just, I just figured after, after spending all, all the books setting her, her, her up and, and, and introducing her, I, I, I figured Evans, Evans wasn't, wasn't, wasn't going to kill her. So now she's mm. queen of the, of the Kuotoa. Or something, yeah. I'm sure she'll, I'm sure she'll, she'll pop up in book six or six or seven or, and, and we'll, we'll learn more about her, her past. Yeah, I suppose we might now because, because this whole thing sort of ended with a lot of threads still dangling, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and we've kind of skipped, we continue to kind of skip all around, right? Um, right. They're, they're in Dejared Thymar, um, which I, I just attempted to pronounce after saying I wouldn't. Um, and there's a murder, basically, um, and they're trying to figure out what was going on. There were some dragonborn in the catacombs that mm-hmm. were casting some sort of spell that they thought would open a portal to a beer because they wanted to go back because they just didn't feel like they fit in here in the New World. And, of course, all the establishment people are like, yeah, well, maybe we don't fit in, but you don't know how horrible a beer was. <laughs> like, 
not fitting in is a better situation than living in that horrible place. Um, yeah, wasn't wasn't a bear basically covered with like fire elementals or something? Well, it was ruled by dragons dragon that enslaved the dragonborn, right? So, I guess I don't yeah, know. It's something to that effect, I think. Evans needs to write a book about it so that so that we know what's what's going on there. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and so Mehen, who's come back and, and is sort of reunited with his clan, is then, you know, like, oh, well, let's hire him on since he's uh, an investigator and adventurer sort and let him sort of figure out what's going on with these these dead dragonborn uh, who'd opened the portal and accidentally, it turns out, let in a demon who was also, is also a shapeshifter and, and takes the form and takes the memories of whoever he, it eats. Yeah, it's it's a really cool monster, and I I'd never heard of a Moreji before. But I I went and looked it up, and it it, it comes from the uh, City of the Spider Queen adventure no. by by James Wyatt from from two thousand two, and it, it it later showed up in the in the third edition Fiend, Fiend Folio. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a bit of an obscure, it's a bit of an obscure beastie for yeah. And that's that's actually an adventure I've been looking for lately because I, I I know I used to own it and I've been hunting all over trying to find it because I was. Well, I'm run sure it. you can find it at noblenight.com. I bet I can. I bet I can. I've, I'm li- actually listening to that series of novels with my son in the car uh, when we commute every morning. So nice. Yeah. Um. So they're hunting down that, and, and I kind of get the impression that the the leader of his clan. Um, really only hired him on to do this not because she wanted him to do it but because she needed an excuse to sort of keep him around well kind of- there's there's a whole bunch of political maneuvering going going on i think i think by the end of the book it's revealed that she wanted to put him forward as candidate for um vanquisher mm-hmm. i guess i guess is there is there a term for president or whatever <laughs> elected king for 10 years or yeah uh, right the, the leader of their people. Yeah, ask uh, ask uh, Ms. Ms. Evans if it's a coincidence that this came out the same year as as there's there's a big election in the in the in the oh. United States. <laughs> yeah, so so I yeah I got the impression that she didn't really care about him discovering the situation with the murder, although she's definitely interested in it. Um, well, well at, at, at at first I think they think it's just a murder, and by the end they realize oh this this affects the entire city. This this is I mean I think when 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 she summoned Mahan M- like the murder hadn't even even happened she she summoned him right for you know so, so so that she could she could have have him 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 around to put forward as as uh, as a vanquisher yeah but I guess what I'm saying is that I I think this what she saw this as an opportunity to keep him around because the longer she can keep him around the more likely she can right. convince him to stay around and and do this thing mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So and so they they go basically on a hunt. Uh, Havilar discovers that she has a Asmodeus granted power to detect demons, but the way she detects them is they make her it makes her nauseous and she vomits all over the place. Uh huh. But but apparently she can she can order people around her to attack the demon. Right. Yep. She yeah. Can. We we have seen that. Uh, and then and then meanwhile she also has the imps that she can summon and the mm-hmm. the hellhound Zuni that follows her around. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Dahl is trying to, you know, got his family away from the the was it Shadowvar attack that we, they'd heard about in the last book. Uh-huh. Uh, successfully escaped that. 
um, got caught up with the Zints. The Zints, you know, took him and his brothers and his grandmother because she knows this secret about where the master's library is and there's something in there that they want. They go on this this mission to to uncover that mm-hmm. and in doing so discover Grazd. Um, and then mm-hmm. the other, uh, the third storyline that's kind of going on here is the story of um, the Brimstone Angel herself, right? The ghost of what's her name? Bryceis Kakistos. Yeah, her. Um, so we've got the ghost of Bryceis Kakistos, the original Brimstone Angel, uh, who it turns out um, the plan was that this ancestor, this generation of ancestor or whatever, was going to be her new body, but it all got messed up because they were born twins. And so she needs to find a way to sort of rip their souls out or something so that she can join them together into one body that would then be her body because she would take over or, or some such thing, right? Is that sound? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think it's also important to talk about what she did before that point. Okay. Because so she kind about- of wrecks – well, I, I forget all of the details, but she kind of like changes Lorcan's world without him knowing it. Mm. Yeah. Because she kill, she, I think she kills Invidaya, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's unclear um, what his sister is at. I'm forgetting her name right now. Who? Uh, Serge. Yeah, Serge. Yeah, as I say, it's another son name, but it's not Sessica. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only one I could keep. keep yeah, she's possessing Serge. Yeah. I at the at the end of the book, I think Serge is left in Tamanther with with Farida. Yeah. Right. But, but before that, yeah, she's in the body of Serge, and she even offers at one point in the book to Dal, while in Serge, a new deal for to break his deal with Lorcan that he can't speak to Faraday, as long as she give him his first child. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, the the end of the book went really quick. In fact, the whole book like was yeah. really dense. I, uh, I I actually felt like I needed to go through it and listen to it the second time because uh, sometimes when you're listening to audiobooks, like you zone out or you get busy or you're doing dishes or whatever, and so you miss something. And it's usually not a big deal because most authors, if it was important, would would talk about it for multiple paragraphs. And it would come up a lot and, and you'd be reminded constantly that this thing happened and it was important. Um, whereas this book is so dense uh, and, and she has high expectations for readers. Like you're going to pay attention and you're going to notice that this thing happened and remember it, right? Uh, and that's yeah. good. That's yeah. good. Um, but I, did, I wasn't necessarily expecting it and I missed some key things like at the beginning. So I'm like I, I, I have the book I'm, the first time through. I'm like I don't know what's going on <laughs> you know so the second time through fixed all, a lot of that for me but i the the end because i haven't gotten to that a second time yet um is still a bit of a blur for me i just know that the book has like almost no fighting in it at all and then one giant battle scene at the end which is which is you know c- compare that to like the Driss books which are basically one non-stop battle scene from beginning to end well and honestly I, I think i prefer fewer fight scenes because while some in a movie while a fight scene can be exciting in a book the fight scene is actually a part part where you're not really getting to tell any story mm-hmm. yeah. i agree there are a lot lots of fights that took place off camera in this but mm. but yeah very few on and on top of it talking because like not only is it dense but the runtime for the audiobook is over 20 hours 
It was like 28, wasn't it? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, Audible is telling me 20 right now, but I don't know if that's... Okay, maybe 20, 20 hours for me. Took okay, me. yeah, so, I, I, yeah. Even reading it with all the characters and all the names, especially those, it's hard to keep track, and I, I want to read it again just mm -hmm. so I can, again, focus and all that, which is a sign, in my opinion, of a good book. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think there's also a lot, like part of me doesn't just want to read it again, but part of me wants to go back and read the previous book again, because I feel like there's a lot that carries over that I had forgotten at first was a carryover, right? When Ilston first showed up, the wizard, it took me a little while before I realized, oh, wait, yeah, that was kind of a thing in the last book, wasn't it? Yeah. Right? I so didn't have that problem, but. Well, you continue different, different to be, strokes for you, you continue to be smarter and better than me. Oh, maybe I should I should host host the Tome Show. Maybe you should. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, so so the Brimstone Angel asked Cersei offered Dahl to break the deal with Lorcan for his first child, assuming it is with Faraday to, to be given to her. Wait, because but, but was that Cersei? Slash Bryce's Kakistus that did that, or is that that other warlock collector that Lorcan had gone to? Oh, the the uh, in the vile inquisitor, or, yeah. or whatever. Uh, no, that was that was that was that was BK. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna call call her BK for short. Yeah, uh, yeah okay. that that uh, when when that happened, I I almost read that as like not a serious offer because like if she knew anything about dolls, she she'd probably know that there's no way he'd ever trade his firstborn child for for well, anything. Sure. Yeah. Well, I was so, just the, my confusion largely was just because I feel like Sarchay's been around since the beginning of the series. Right. Certainly, Doll has met Sarchay before, but it didn't <laughs> seem like he knew who this person was. I I, I guess he hasn't. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we should ask Aaron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember if he's ever met Sersha. I mean, I think I think he figured out who she was fairly yeah. quickly. Well, he figured that that she was a devil very quickly, and basically, he he's smart enough to to know that no, he doesn't. He's not doing any more deals with devils. So I thought I thought that just showed that either either Bryce's Kakistos hadn't hadn't quite done her research on on Dahl, or maybe she was she was just uh, um, low lowballing him for mm -hmm. you know just to just 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 to work up to something more 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 reasonable. Although that I, does make some sense because Bryce's Kakistos would be interested in the firstborn because he's a, she's assuming that the firstborn will be with Farida. Mm -hmm. And then that would be another vessel that she could try for later. So yeah, I, I, I guess that just says that 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 she knows nothing about about Dahl. Because if if, yeah. if if she did, she she know like he would never ag agree to that. Right. Although he, right. I mean, she she tried to make it tempting to the point of like, you have to promise me the firstborn, but you can still totally raise it. It'll be you know it'll stay with yeah. you. I won't mm -hmm. take it away. You know whatever. And you start to question, well, then what does it mean to give you the firstborn if it's still with us and we're taking care of it? <laughs> you know, what is all that? What what does that amount to? Yeah. yeah, I think I think like like a really like a, a really good devil doesn't offer you a deal that's obviously that bad. Sure. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So, so 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 how how about the whole uh, Harlequin romance thing going on with uh, Farida? 
mean, we all we all thought she and Lorcan were 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 done, but apparently, no. There's there's still 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 a flame there, and is there still a flame there, or is there still like a lust there? A flame can be a lust. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that she seriously like wants to be with him. It's just that sometimes when he's there, she remembers what it was that appealed. You know. Mm-hmm. I think I think it it means that we can't count Lorcan Lorcan out. Because I think I've been I think trying we, to count Lorcan out since book one. Not Aww. not me. <laughs> but I think I think we were saying at the, at the end of 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 the last book that. Uh, we we thought Lorkin had definitely crossed the line. He's a he's he's a bad guy now. He's, and he's a devil. I, he's always been a bad guy. <laughs> I see, see. I've never thought so. I think he's a pro, he's a protagonist. Oh, he's an interesting character, and sometimes he's a protagonist. Yes. But he's not a good guy. But I, I think I think Frida said something very sig- significant to Lorkin. She she said, "You don't have to be this way." I think I think that may be the first time Lorkin's heard, heard that. And like my my impression of 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 Lorkin is is he's just he's just so caught up in in trying to sur- survive and and just trying to 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 play the game and stay out of out of everybody else's else's way that that he's just he's just never had time to consider who who he truly is or or who he truly could be. And I, I mean, I think that's where the character's been going all this, all this time. Maybe, maybe you don't, you don't see it that that way. But I think, I think several books down the line, I've, I've said it since since the beginning, and I and I still say it. I think we're going to see a turn for for Lorcan. I think he's 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 going to become a a a risen fiend. Which, I, th- which is the I think that. They are in an abusive relationship. He is the abuser, and and that was a moment of her trying to say he, she wanted to fix her, him. Uh, and I, I think he may redeem himself, but I don't think they're going to end up together. No, I don't. I don't think they'll end up together. But well, who knows? I don't think she has to choose one. I mean, it is the realms. True. She doesn't have to choose one. But I'll be very disappointed if she chooses Lorcan. <laughs> Tracy, I'm I'm with you. <laughs> She's young yet. Oh, actually, the one thing I did notice is they had a really good doll, and I'm trying to remember her name. The the Mira? Um, sorry, Mira. Yeah, Mira? Mira. They had a really good conversation about relationships mm-hmm. near the end of the book, where they're like, "Yeah, you know, maybe we we're a little too much." into the stuff that was happening in the bedroom and that kept us going longer as a couple than we probably should have. But it was good though, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and actually, uh, the second time through listening to that, uh, listening to the book, helped me like Mira more because I remembered who she was. That's another one that's a a throwback to a previous book, not even the last one. Yeah, I kept kept getting her confused. He was like there was a different Harper agent in like the third book who who kept asking everyone about about their their private lives and was and was really chatty. Yeah, I, I forget her, her her name, but but this is the one who was with the Zins and is Tam's um, daughter, and they yeah, were sort Tam's, of a falling yeah. out when they went to that other library. Right, yeah, Tam's, it was, it was Tam's lesser evils from from book two. Yeah. I think this is the first time we've heard mention of Tam in a, in a while, which is too bad. I really liked Tam. Well, he's been mentioned, I think, previously as basically 
leading the Harpers and trying to rebuild them, I think, in Waterdeep. Yeah. So. Well, clearly, clearly, Aaron Evans need, needs to write a spinoff series that's just about Tam and the Harpers in Waterdeep and has nothing to do with with uh, for for Vita. It can it can be the be the Deep Space Nine of this of this uh, series. I'd be cool with that, and I, th- I think I said that when we first met Tam. I don't remember uh, that was in the one of the Neverwinter books. Mm-hmm. She had that one Neverwinter book. Yep. Um, and and that's when we met Tam, and I I told her I, at the time I really liked him as a character, and she pointed me to the fact that actually he was a character from a previous novel um, that she repurposed and put into the into that book. So there is more Tam out there if you want younger Tam, not not current Tam. Mm. But Tam wasn't even in this book. <laughs> but his daughter he was. was. Yeah, he was mentioned. But <laughs> speaking of people who are who are not in this book, I I was disappointed. We we did not get to see more of Raidra. Re, I'm oh, I'm 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 still shipping Raidra and and Farida as ridiculous as they is as as that is. And I know she's busy ruling uh, Cormir, but there it is. Well, you never know. They might go back to Cormir someday. Woohoo! Because when this whole book ends, what's the, what's the status quo? Where do, where are things left off when this book ends? Uh, there, well, I think um, Bryce Kakistos is piloting uh, Havilar's body. Yes, they're going. I'm not sure where they're going. They're 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 going somewhere with Bryn and Zuni to to uh, stick it to as as Medeus. Yeah, and Farida. When that scene happened, when Havlar offered herself, I laughed when she, when Havlar turned to Faraday and basically said, well, one of us has to do something stupid. It might be me right now. So, because at least they recognized that. She recognized it was he. Yes, this is a stupid idea, but it had to be done. And uh, uh, Tim Anther is, is I, probably in, in the next book going to be dealing with, with the return of, of Unther. And the right. and the Unther pan- pantheon, right? Unther, the the god of Unther, sort of escorted the Untheran people. Mm-hmm. Is that even the right? Untheran? I don't know. Yeah. So so throughout most of this book, uh, en- Enlil, who yeah. is a who is a actual Mesopotamian deity, mm-hmm. uh, has been talking to to Demuzi. Yes. Talking and, to or just sort of giving him visions or whatever. Well, he's. Yes. Okay. The the same way all the gods talk to their talk to their chosen. Unless you're right. Elston. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So so throughout throughout most of this book, we we got interactions between between Enlil and and Demuzi and Enlil. I I looked him up. He he's he's a good deity. He's he's like an actual Mesopotamian uh, deity, and he's like the god of like air and and war. But he is the father of Gilgim, who shows up in the flesh at the end of this book, and he is he is a lawful evil deity, and I, I believe he's an analog for for Gilgamesh in in the in the real world, mm-hmm. but in like Forgotten Realms history, like he ruled, like like back when Tamanther was was Unther, he was the king, and he was not a nice person. Right. Thank you, Jeff, because I was wondering who were the people at the end who were showing up. It's like, so yeah, that was that was Aaron bringing part of of what we lost in the 
spell plague back, mm-hmm. um, which is more t- more important even now that you've pointed out that this is all happening before the sundering took place. Because mm-hmm. you know when the sundering takes place, you have to presume some of what was it that you know some of the things are going to go back to the way they were, but not everything's going back to the way it was and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Well, I thought I thought the sundering was was not like one event, but like a series of, of events. Yeah. So like, this is like, happening like, as it, part of the sundering. Yeah. Like I think I think the big rain that filled up what you know that that emptied one sea and filled the the other sea right. didn't didn't happen the same year as as the herald. So no 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 yeah no, or, or maybe it did I don't I don't know. No, they but, they they were spread out over several years. Yeah, from 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 the companions. To to the Herald, I think is a period of like six six years or so. So, mm. of course, it's World War Two, right? That's the <laughs> they right. tell us they tell us constantly that it's World War Two, right? Exactly. And, and just like in World War Two, Mesopotamia uh, reappeared and took the place of a fictional dragonborn kingdom. That's how, how I taught World War Two in to my seventh graders. <laughs> Yep. Is that how it went? Uh, I think it is. <laughs> Let's rewrite history. It is. Not- <laughs> <laughs> so, other thoughts about this book? Is it really Azit that's talking to uh, Ilstan, or is it uh, Asmodeus? I think. I think. Uh, we're we're supposed to believe that Azith is like merged with Asmodeus and and like they they switch back and forth. I mean, kind kind of the same way Bryce Ace Kakistos possessed Serce. Like Azith is somehow merged with Asmodeus, and sometimes one is in control and sometimes the the other is is in control. See, I sort of saw it as um, Azuth died. Actually, you know, died died. Um, and when he did, as Modius uh, sort of absorbed his his divine spark, um, which explains why in some in some editions, as Modius mm-hmm. is you know uh, an arc devil, and sometimes he's a god. I think I think someone said in this book though that that Asmodeus's big big secret was that he he couldn't actually pull the spark pull the spark from from Azuth. I think I think Trevita. Oh sees that like in a vision it, it, it's one of those real quick quick things you were you were you were talking about mm-hmm. jeff but it's it's like that's that's asmodeus's big secret that, that he doesn't want anyone else to know is that is that he wasn't able to pull the spark from from azuth and that's why there's this weird thing going on where they're where they're merged okay see i and see i was thinking that he at least had that spark or whatever um and that's why it seemed like it was coming from azuth because he had, you know, he could channel it through that power that he'd absorbed. But but if if that's true, if that's something I missed, then then yeah, maybe uh, maybe not. Maybe he is being talked to by both of them, and it's just completely messing with his head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which seems, you know, possible and reasonable. He is pretty messed up in the head, and we also sort of figured out how that works. Like the longer he goes without cast, uh, you know, casting a spell or using magic, mm-hmm. the crazier he gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so I and then I look at this the you know well, why would Asmodeus, why into that matter why would Azuth why would either one of them want Farida dead, 
unless they don't actually want them dead, uh, want her dead, and and that's just something that they can do to achieve these goals that we don't know. Well, as Asmodeus clearly wants Frida alive, I think. Well, like that's that's his his order to Lorcan is is keep Frida alive, right? But at the same time, devils are known to manipulate everybody. Including each other, right? So yeah, that's it's it's that, it's it's a confusing tangled mess, and I'm sure I'm sure we will we will learn more in book six and seven and eight and nine and so on and so forth. <laughs> no, surely this whole uh, this whole storyline is going to be wrapped up right quick, and we'll move on to something new, right? Uh, I I don't think so. <laughs> I I I am concerned that that she does seem to be adding more and more chosen. To, to her her cast, mm. I, I feel like that might be like a, a like like a crutch. Which uh, which new chosen was added in this book? Uh, Demuzi De is is now a chosen of of en- Enlil. Okay. Okay. I mean, like it's 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 really interesting, and, and, and I mean they've they've changed the way that that chosen work in the in, in the realm. So now like there there's there's lots of chosen, but I'm I'm just I'm just worried that. That she's gonna make make a new chosen every time she she doesn't have a have an idea, and and we're just we're just, we're just gonna have like a book full of full of chosen. Well, and and so. and I think that that is a concern that is that is legitimate, and I think I've thought of that myself. However, you're pointing out the timeline might address some of that because we're still in the midst of the sundering, and right. there were tons of chosen. In right, because all, all the gods are trying to trying to grab people. Right, so so maybe I mean maybe in in a year or two, uh, depending on you know with the the timing of how her books have gone, right. that could either be you know in one book or in five. <laughs> but actually, it, I didn't, I even even forgot. I think I think by the end of end of this book, Farida is no longer a chosen because she because what because after Bryce Hayes Kakistos does her does her thing, I think I think it. It mentions that 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 Frida no longer has her 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 burning. She just she just has her pact marks. Mm. Well, and and that all kinds of kind of gets explained as well because the twins who are you know chosen of Asmodeus uh, were never intended to be chosen at all. It was supposed mm. to be Briseis Briseis Kakistos who was a chosen. That was part of the deal that she made with Asmodeus, um, but she obviously can't be because she's busy being dead at the moment. So that's part of why they ended up as chosen, not because they were actually chosen. Briseis Kakistos was chosen, and she's trying to get into their bodies. Yeah. They are placeholders, sort of, or right. tricks. Or it's Asmodeus tricking Briseis Kakistos for trying to screw out of a certain deal that they had. We're not too sure. <laughs> I think all of – well, and at the same time, Briseis Kakistos has this, this thing going on where – um, she's supposed to be the chosen of Asmodeus because that was the deal they made, and yet she's trying to. She thinks she has a way if she can pull all of her MacGuffins together to to destroy and kill Asmodeus. Yeah, she seems pretty pretty uh, badass. Well, I mean, she's does she? I mean, or she because she hasn't actually pulled any of this stuff off, right? She, well, I mean, she, she thinks she's, she's a lot like, more badass than she is, maybe. She's talking directly to to demon lords and like striking deals deals with them, and you know, maybe everything doesn't doesn't quite go her her way, but she seems to be be a lot higher up in 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 power than just about anyone else that we've met who's 
who's not a god or a, or a demon lord. I felt that she had more confidence than we actually maybe see in power. Right. So in that confidence... she used to have that kind of power. Yeah. But now that she's dead, she's trying to regain that power. But she still has that confidence and she has dealt with these people in the past. So she remembers how to deal with the past and that's what she's told. But she doesn't want to give up what the peer... Or show that she doesn't have that power that she had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's sort of my interpretation. Is that I don't think she's actually as powerful as she comes off, mm-hmm. but she used to be, and she acts like she still is. Yeah, maybe maybe she's not powerful, but she's got she's got knowledge and she's got skills. Because like she she walks walks right into into Grass's lair, doesn't even blink. She walks right in, into into Orcus's lair mm. and and talks to him like, "Hey, remember me." Which yeah, actually so. brings up a, a, a question, um, and maybe it's just something I haven't gotten to the second time through, so I don't remember, but um, what's Grant's deal? What's he trying to pull off? <laughs> he's, I think he's trying to get back to the, to the abyss, like all, all, all the rest of the, of the demon lords. I wasn't, he, I wasn't clear if, if he's the one that sent the shape-changing assassin demon to, to Manther, because they're really far apart. On the map, they are, and and there's mention though of the there's mention of this this entity, the 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 man made of night or whatever it is, right? Right. That's that's grassed. Well, and the and the demon in in Dejared De- Thymar refers to that as well mm-hmm. as the man made of night. Um, I believe, if I'm remembering right, and he, that demon is is also mentioned to be the advance scout for a, a bigger force, right? So and, and it, I thought, and I thought I caught something about Grass saying something like, "This will be, you know, the my new, you know, capital of my new empire or whatever." At some point, too. Yeah, yeah but then, then, then the force that actually shows up at the end of the book is is Gilgim, who's presumably been on a bear this this whole time, or wh- where, right. wherever Unther went, right? I mean, we don't. We don't did did Unther go to a bear when the spell plague happened? I mean, I think we all presumed that that's what happened to the places that disappeared. Right, but we don't know because nobody's come back until now. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a bit confusing, but I mean, I would I would say that Grast is a he is a demon, so he's chaotic evil. So his his goals, uh, you might as well ask what's what's the Joker's goals. He's he's like a dog chasing cars. Mm. I was I was really really uh, excited to see uh, Evans tackle demons in this in this book because because we've 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 gotten her take on on devils and and that's been been awesome and you know i'm i'm really really a fan of like all all the all the big families of outsiders i i hope she she tackles yugoloths somehow yugoloths were my favorite nobody's i don't i've never seen him in a in a novel and they they always get get left left out if you if you if you notice uh, she 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 brings up the fact that uh, Bryce Kakisos is actually a demon blooded tiefling, yes. or or she she, she 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 was, and and one of the tieflings in, in her circle was a Rakshasa blooded tiefling mm. who 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 had like backwards hands. Mm. And yeah, no, she way, brings a lot of cool stuff, and and I like that she the, they referenced the blood war a lot. There was mm-hmm. that whole line that Lorcan gave about how. Um, you know, demons are are pretty horrible. You should actually be thanking us devils for for keeping them sort of bottled in for so long. Mm-hmm. 
And it's like, you know what? That's not entirely illegitimate. Like, you know, devils, you guys suck, but, you know, at least you're good at keeping the demons away. Oh, and 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 the opposite could be true. The demons keep I suppose, yeah. keep keep the devils away, and and the um, uh, the the archons keep keep the demons away, and the <laughs> um, it all goes round and round. The cardinals and the what are the chaotic good ones called? Oh, yeah, I no. forget. I don't know. They all, right. Well, they they all keep each 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 other. Each it's other it's a chat. carefully balanced ecosystem. Is that what you're saying? I want I want Evans to write a book about Modrons. That's what I want. <laughs> I That's don't know if I, I want, want that or not. <laughs> That's a whole different story. Like she's got to go to the what uh, Planescape to do that story. Modrons and and Slod. <laughs> We've had Slod. Uh, was Paul Kemp had Slod in his books? Yeah, but that that wasn't yeah. Evans. I want to see how, how you want to see. Does. You just want to see Aaron do, can tackle these. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just wanted right. to see her tackle the 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 whole multiverse. Well, we were supposed <laughs> to have a short discussion, um, so that we could get to our interview. Uh, so it's been an hour now, <laughs> any or almost an hour anyway. Any oh, last thoughts, uh, so that Tracy and I can ditch you two and get to the interview? <laughs> or have we well, all I said? I don't, I don't want to keep Ms. Ms. Evans waiting. If you if you let me talk, I will not stop. I know. I well, I know. But but any 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 burning thoughts that you wanted to share? Any any last uh, insights? I'm good. I suppose I plan to reread this again. Folks, if they, folks who've read it suggest we read it again. Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, I can say that as well, right? I think it's um, it's a book that I needed to reread again to really catch it all. But at the same time, I didn't mind reading it a second time. So. Take that for what it is, right? Sometimes there's a book that I get to the end of and it's like, I, I have no idea what just happened here and I, I'm not interested in figuring it out. So whatever, I'll just pass on that book. This one I enjoyed uh, and yet I felt like I missed a bunch of stuff. So reading it a second time, I caught up on those things uh, and continued to enjoy it any more, even more because I caught all those things. Other thoughts? Uh, I love this book. I love this series. Uh, listen to uh, Appendix N. All right. Very good. Well, in that case, we're going to uh, end our discussion and I'm going to throw it over to Tracy and myself, who's going to talk to the author, Aaron M. Evans. So take it away, Tracy. Thanks, Jeff. And we're here now with Aaron M. Evans, author of Ashes of the Tyrant and all the Brimstone Angels books, not to mention a friend of the show. Welcome back. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me again. Anytime you want to come on, I will reserve a special Aaron M. Evans seat just for you. <laughs> we had your good friend Susan J. Morris on. We recorded with her just the other day. Oh, yeah? What were you guys talking about? Uh, we were talking about the Lazy Dungeon Master audiobook. And I knew that Ooh. she is not a Lazy Dungeon Master, so I really wanted to hear her take Whatever. on it. She's the opposite. <laughs> exactly. So that's why that's why I thought I wanted to, you know, I wanted to hear what she had what she had to say because I thought that would be an interesting uh, perspective. I have to make sure I catch that one. Mm -hmm. That'll be interesting. So yeah, welcome back. Uh, we're talking Ashes of the Tyrant. The what is the sixth, seventh book in Fifth. the Brimstone Angel series? Fifth. Fifth. Oh man, I'm way off. Well, not way off. I'm a little off. That's okay. The uh. The next book went up on Amazon is Farida Four, so I don't know. Farida Four. It's apparently, they're apparently they're really hard books to count. 
<laughs> and I thought I saw I was looking for a, a Noble Knight pick because they're our sponsor, right? And I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll list the book. And, just, and I, so I went and did some searching to see if they had it. And I think they listed Fire in the Blood as sixth. But apparently that's not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe they're wrong or maybe I'm remembering wrong. Who knows? In yeah, any case. <laughs> Ashes of the Tyrant. Yes. As concrete or esoteric as you want to be, what is it? What's it about? Oh, I get worse at this every time. Um, Ashes and we the ask tyrant. you every time, so you should expect no, it. I should. I really should. I have absolutely <laughs> no business not being prepared for this question. Um, Ashes of the Tyrant is about Farida and her family returning to Mahen's hometown of Jared Thymar um, and getting kind of pulled back into their sort of bounty hunting kind of days and navigating dragonborn society and hunting demons while doll and his family get pulled along into some jintarum nonsense which also involves demons how's that <laughs> this is the demon book it is a little bit the demon book it's meant to tie into um rage rage of demons is that yeah, that was the story. I think that's what it's called. Sorry, I just totally blanked on the name of it. I was really sure for a second the word Underdark was in there, and I couldn't figure out where it went. <laughs> uh, Rage of Demons Out of the Abyss was the adventure, which takes go. place in the Underdark. Is that what you were thinking? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay. Where all the demon lords get pulled into the Underdark because of bad decisions by some drow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and I was thinking that I remember now uh, thinking back that maybe the reason you're writing so much about Dragonborn had to do with this book. Um, when I was talking about Dragonborn so much, online, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, so I I like Dragonborn, obviously. Um, I, I thought they're, I mean, a little bit. I just kind of thought they were interesting because they're so weird for, compared to everything else. Um, originally, but the more that you were, I mean, the more you write about a character, the more you have to think about these other little things that fit into them culturally and physically. And so we had kind of some sketchy groundwork done at the beginning of, um, fourth edition with regard to how, when, when I worked there, how to, how, how, um, Dragonborn get handled, what do their names look like? Um, you know, Richard Lee Byers came up with the idea of them having status weapons and, and piercings that show uh, what clan they belong to and stuff like that built up. And then um, I had kind of wanted to write this book and, and around the time of the fifth, when they did fifth edition, they, they asked me, they said, hey, so you really care about Dragonborn. Can you write up everything that has been said about Dragonborn in the Forgotten Realms? And I wrote up this big document and I think it might have been a little more than they expected, I'm never sure, um, about, you know, everything that had been said in the novels and everything that had come up in, um, you know, game material that I could find, and then what was sort of implied, um, but never actually explicitly stated, um, and then sort of what I thought they could do to make things work together, um, which is, it was, what was really interesting to me is that the sort of the way the Dragonborn came about in the core setting, um, the, I think they call it Nentir Vale. Mm-hmm. I always think it for setting, but their story there is is um, they're sort of the they have this big empire. They dig dragons. Dragons are super cool. Their empire's fallen. In in Forgotten Realms, that breaks immediately because the Dragonborn 
um, are were created to be the slaves of the dragons of Abir, so they don't like dragons. So mm-hmm. right from the start, you have this break, um, and then so a lot of the things that were written about Dragonborn for Nintir Vale, you know, like involved Io and Tiamat and and Bahamut, and it's like it it would trickle into Forgotten Realms, but it would be difficult because they don't they're from Abir where there are no gods, and they don't have any reason at all to like dragons. Like individuals might come around to a different conclusion, but as a culture, they're not going to be keen on it. Um, So there's, it's all these things are really interesting to me. Um, And, and it, it provided a lot of nice touchstones to kind of build out a culture with a little more detail. Hmm. Uh, How many clan names can you name off the top of your head and correctly pronounce? (laughs) (laughs) Kepeshkmolik and Shastandilia and um, Verthisithurgiesh and let me think. Um, I can't pronounce the one that starts with an O, but I didn't make that one up. Ofinstichlar and I can't pronounce Kalans. Yergikskilik. I can spell right. I tell you, the the reader of the audiobook, three of the four of us that talked about this book. all listen to the audiobook and the reader of the audiobook like nails the dragonborn or the draconic language. She um, is a <laughs> I mean, it was impressive. And there, there's, there's a moment like it must've been like a paragraph or two where you just drop like 10 names, you know, 10 yeah. dragonborn clan names in one paragraph. And, and I was really impressed. Uh, and yet, that's the other one I made up. Which one? Chiriajachi. Okay. I don't, and, I don't know if she says it differently because I, I don't remember what I suggested for the pronunciation. Yeah. But um, those actually, so Kepesh Kmolek, uh, Berthus Athurgiesh, and Shurijachi are the only ones I made up. Um, the others were from the Brotherhood of the Griffin series. Okay. Um, so like the Dar Dendrian was the, the main character of that series. Midrash was from that clan. And... The O one that I can't say. I think <laughs> there was another important character that was from there. But right Have, having listened to the audiobook, I'm, I'm now through it uh, a second time, about two thirds of the way through. Um, I've heard Mahen's clan name about 564 times, and I still can't say <laughs> Versagathurgieth or whatever it is. Versagathurgieth. <laughs> yeah, I saw your your conversation on Facebook about it, where you're helping somebody else pronounce it too. I, I and I and I and I get it, and I hear it, and I still can't make my mouth do that. <laughs> so, it's yeah. a tongue twister. It's funny because I named him well before I had any of this thought up it just went through like a draconic glossary and i was looking at interesting words and i was like oh if i kind of take the word for mountain and the word for crippled which is in the draconic glossary for some reason i thought mm. that was weird um and shifted them a little bit uh then it can make it for sisters and that sounds cool and i feel special feel smart because i came up with this funny thing and then i came around to this i was like why though right so mm. uh, that one and, and um Kepesh Kmolik means like stone skin or no, no, it means lightning hide. That's it. Lightning hide. Okay. Um, I forget what Chirir means red, like a red dragon or, or just the color red. I think I don't know. Are they generally tied to different types of dragons? So there's, there's a this is another place where things kind of leak in. No, they're not. Um, I, I really think, and, and, 
Um, I've always presented it as there, there's such a like mish, mishmash of these bloodlines. Like maybe some dragon like created just blue dragonborn, but but by the point the modern point like they've those those sort of lines would have interbred, and so you can have like like Wadget is got blue scales, but she's got uh, frost breath, right? Mm. Um, so or like Mahen is. Uh, like a bronze kind of color, but he's breathes lightning. I actually mm-hmm. don't remember what bronze dragons breathe anymore. Um, but so, so I think that it's probably pretty mixed and you might have like within a clan, um, kind of a higher prevalence of, of some particular look in the same way that like, you know, in my family, people tend to have this kind of dead mouse brown hair color. <laughs> Um, but I don't think it's like, oh yeah, all the Rithisathurgiesh are bronze, right? Okay. Because, you know, once you have someone from Rithisathurgiesh marrying someone from Kepesh Molik and they have right. a kid, like, the phenotype blends up. <clears throat> or not marrying them and being exiled for it. That's right. <laughs> 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 then you, then that doesn't happen. You don't, you don't end up with a kid. <laughs> oh, you don't? Oh, okay. That, this is how dragonborn babies aren't made. <laughs> that, that... That's how you end up with demuzies. Yeah. Right. Very good. Tracy, do you have anything? I don't want to keep talking and, and not let you get a word in. No, I'm okay for now. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, and, and I know from our conversations online that there are elements of the story that you were required to have since this was taking place as part of the Rage of Demons storyline. Uh, yes. So, so what? What what did you have to have, and what did you add on your own, sort of thing? Um, I was strongly encouraged to use Grast. Okay. Um, I could have taken and they, they, they did leave me room to take another demon lord, but it was one of those things where it was like these are the ones we're going to focus on and talk about, and so if I picked some obscure, you know. Alzrius, the sacred flame or whatever he's called um it, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have gotten as much connection sure. um and there was also and actually it was i thought it was funny because they had come up with this story and they took me out to lunch and they told me like this is what we're doing and we think you'd like grass and i was like i i'm pretty sure you're saying this because i have a rep now for writing about sexy fiend dudes <laughs> And I'm about at capacity for sexy fiend dudes. Um, and, but then, like, as we were talking, I kind of realized that the the thing about Gratz that is really, to me, is really frustrating is that he is such a devilish demon. Mm. In, like, in so many ways, he he's kind of, he's kind of breaking away from, from the things that the, that you kind of draw lines around for a demon. Like, like there's, I've, I've seen in source books where they talk about him being kind of like a patron of tyranny. And it's like, that feels out of sync kind mm. of with, with the whole chaos thing. Oh, in the um, same way the, the succubus do, right? And you've dealt with that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so the thing that, that made it kind of click together a little better is I was sort of telling them like, this drives me crazy. And they said, well, so there's this story that we had been kind of holding on to, and and it came out in fourth edition, but not with as much fanfare as we had initially intended. But that Gratz was actually originally um, a devil, 
that he was like you know maybe not an arch devil but at least a unique devil and during the blood war he switched sides um and actually in some book he glaja actually stabbed him in the back and i'm like well that works pretty well because the thing that it made me realize is grass is kind of he's this perversion of of uh I'm going to super nerd out for a second. He's the perversion of a social dominance hierarchy, a mammalian social dominance hierarchy. So whereas with like devils, you have this hierarchy and this structure and it, it, it works because it's not everybody trying to be at the top. Everybody is aiming for the top, but it's not like every second of every day you're worried about getting to the top. You're, it, it, it creates stability because everybody has a place within this system and you want, you know, being the top is the best, but you know, if you, as long as you know where you fit, things can function. Um, but when people, sometimes when people like look at that, they talk about like, like alphas and like, you gotta like claw your way to the top and, and you, you kill each other and sex each other. And it's just this like really weirdly broken down view of, of kind of how that works. And so I think Gratz is kind of that it's that, that like lizard brain urge to like, just like punch somebody in the face just to prove your dominance that doesn't think about the consequences of that. Right. And so you get like, like that same, it's got all this like witch orgy stuff around him. And it's the same kind of thing where it's like just sex isn't necessarily demonic. Right. You've got sexy devils and you've got sexy gods and good gods and evil gods. And it's like, sex is not just, that's not a thing, right. That's not a demon thing. But if you sort of, doing it to to create this dominance structure that that you don't you're not actually paying attention to the whole thing you're just paying attention to get to the top i think that's kind of cool because it is really chaotic and it is a big mess and it's a perversion of what he used to be that that's mm. sort of like creating a um a hierarchy to to preserve a structure you so th- i got kind of into that I say you've thought through this pretty thoroughly uh for a character that honestly doesn't show up for too much of the story <laughs> Can we no, expect to see some more but, grass in the future? No, but oh, well, darn it. <laughs> but so the the other the other thing that got me was like I, I realized like this is sort of it ties into a lot of the 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 stories of of the male characters particularly, but all, but but the characters to some degree like this is sort of like Doll's dark side is like he he wants people to validate him. He wants to he wants to be perceived as being like the best or at least very valuable right and he gets into this kind of like you get into these pissing matches that don't actually do him any good um or like the story about Mahen's father Mahen's father's got the same kind of thing right Mm -hmm. it's this um like toxic masculinity thing right uh I think that fits in with grads. So there's like, he doesn't show up, but his sort of effects show up in a lot of ways. So one of the questions that came up in our conversation is, is a curiosity about what was his deal? Grads. What was like, what was he trying to accomplish? He is trying to figure out what happened and make use of it. Cause the, this in my understanding anyway, and cause I, I see these things kind of early on, so I don't always know what happened happened in the end. That the 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 idea was that when um, oh, what is his name? Gromp. Gromp, thank you. Gromp, Gromp pulls in Demogorgon. He pulls in everybody. Mm-hmm. 
So Grass is just finds himself in the Underdark, and he's like, who did this, right? So he's like, one, trying to find the person who's tried to get one up on him, right? And try to figure out who that is. But also, he wants to get out, he wants to get up to the surface. So those are, that's his main intent. So he's put the Jintarum to work trying to get him out, and he's pulling, going through their thoughts and trying to figure out, like, who did this to him. They don't know, right? They have no reason to know. Um, and the, uh, there the would have, there, I think there would have been more. There was uh, another book planned for the series, but it was, it was canceled. So, um, he, but he, he and Orcus were going to have it, have some run-ins. <laughs> oh, see that, that I want to hear that. I want to read that story. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, and so was, was grass, connected to the demon in Dejerid Thymar? Yes, sort of. Okay, because I, um, I, I thought I vaguely remembered the that demon referring to the man made of night, yes. who, who I thought was grassed, right? Yeah, he does. I think he calls him that. He talks, uh, the, the only the only people call him that. Um, he, calls, he calls him the Dark Prince. Okay, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, the Marazi was sent by Graz. Uh There is it's one of those things where like there's enough hints in there that I think you can you could probably figure it out, but it doesn't get confirmed until the next book. Okay. Um, but at the at the very end, when you see Gilgame and the and the demons, um, he's made a deal with Gratz, and he's gotten those demons to augment his army. Okay. And the Marezi was meant to go to a beer, um, but the planes were starting to to shift, and then Grom's spell comes through, and the Marezi gets redirected, and it ends up in Jared Thimer. And there's parts where it says like. It starts to realize it's not in the right place, mm-hmm. which I love. I love the Marezi because it starts out really kind of dumb, right? Um, and then as it like consumes more people, it gets smarter and smarter. It gets it gets a like an intelligence bonus every time it, it eats somebody in the rules, and a strength bonus. It gets this. This is a really I found a really interesting monster, mm-hmm. but so it starts to realize it's it's gotten to the wrong place. But because you know if it messes up. Um, it's got to face Kratz for messing up. So it's just going to try its best to like fix this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it cottons to the fact that the planes are getting switched and kind of goes for it. Okay. So, so the demon was sent by grass, but the grass was doing a favor to Gilgame. Yeah. And so when, when they talk about this demon being, a va- you know, the vanguard or whatever of a larger force, it, it is Gilgame's force. That's, that's yeah. coming. Okay. Yep. Okay. It's coming together. Okay. <laughs> but it was supposed to go to Shire, not Jared Dimar. Okay. People say this explicitly in the next book. <laughs> it's yeah, not, no, it's absolutely. Not well, that you can't figure it out. So. And, and we discussed as well, and I think Tracy specifically pointed out that it, the end of this book feels like it's got got a lot of threads sort of dangling. Like it's it's yeah. it leaves on a bit of a cliffhanger. Yeah, I think um, absent the, the Underdark story, my intention originally was to write this um, write this as sort of the Jared Thymar book and to have, you know, have Gilgame show up a lot earlier. And, and, and this is when we say that it's like in the sort of in Kuwait, like figuring it out stage, not like I was aiming, I was writing toward this and it didn't work because once they, you know, once you add in something like the, um, the story arcs, the story, it, it has to change to, to accommodate. Mm-hmm. So it, it ends up being sort of like this in the next book in some ways are, are kind of a duology um, because the only way to, to kind of keep the tone of the story and the pacing with Dahl's story 
um, fitting together, I felt like was to, to kind of cut a, to, to move towards that point. Sure. And well, this, more this is a big book to begin with. Yeah. You didn't, you don't want it to be bigger. <laughs> <laughs> the audiobook was already over 20 hours. It's not as long as fire in the blood at least. Oh yeah. I don't remember how long that one was. It was big. I think it was 24 hours. I think no. you, I think I remember you sending me a message like, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> I've got some long books, uh, but yeah, tw- any time you get over 20 hours, it, it's, uh, it's a hefty tome. So, so yeah, I, I guess we're, we're wrapping our head. The, the Gilgame Enlil Unther thing, was, yeah. was that you or was some of that coming from Watsi saying, here are some things we want to do as we enter the new status quo for the realms? It was um, kind of a mix because so when they started talking about they wanted Unther to come back and uh, I talked to Matt Cernet and he was originally kind of like, well, maybe Unther comes and they destroy Time Anther and the Dragonborn are scattered. And I was like, you got to give him a chance, man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's some things where it's like, you know, what what's been stated about the Dragonborn that they that this isn't going to be a small fight. Um, I mean that city is is a brick for one thing, and everybody in it's trained at weaponry and um, and man, kill game sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about that one of the things that I I pointed out um, when I was talking about the Dragonborn was the fact that. They're they're really weird in the realms because they don't they don't worship gods, right? And I I think that's an interesting idea, but I also think it's one of the things that makes them feel like they don't fit in the setting because the gods are such an important part of the setting. Um, so you know, I suggested that you know maybe they could have a god and they could have a god in on their terms, though. Um, and and it wouldn't be simple and it would be kind of messy but uh and matt was the one who brought up enlil as a possibility because he would be somebody that would be opposed to gilgeam um and wouldn't kind of be busy somewhere else Mm -hmm. uh and i I thought it was interesting and Mm kind of ran with it because then i get to use my copy of complete babylonian (laughs) and you actually bring up an interesting juxtaposition there that that um the dragonborn are very sort of um i guess they're not atheists right but they're not worshipers yeah um and and in the meantime i kind of don't see the point (laughs) right and 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 but they're also sitting in the location of a what used to be a kingdom wherein the gods were very regionally interested and focused you know yeah, because uh, Gilgame and Inlil and all that, or are much more involved specifically in Unther. Um, yeah, they, they are... were manifestations, right? Walking around and rolling stuff, which is and then, yeah, it's just a real switch between the two. That was, I will say, that was that that was that leads to one thing that was my idea that Jared Thymar was actually built out of the cigarette of, uh, of the Moon God. Okay. Because I was like, why? How, they wouldn't have time to quarry all of that stone, and why not? That's interesting. I don't know. Also interesting uh, for me is I feel 
like you made some pretty big changes in Lorcan's life with um, how uh, we call her BK. Uh, I don't know how to Gracias pronounce it. I call her BK too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with with uh, some of her shenanigans as Serge. Oh yeah. The uh, is there something specific that you're alluding to? Well, you know, now that- just- just weird. going after Envidaya, and then like, there's oh oh god, I keep forgetting I kill her. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't planning to do that, and then like I I was writing you know the scene, and she like goes into the armory because of course she does, she has to, and I was like, this is boring. It can't just be I take some treasure. Well, what if Envidaya shows up? I'm like, what's gonna happen? Envidaya's not gonna let her leave. Maybe she kills. Oh my god, what if she kills Envidaya? And I I wrestled with that for not you know too terribly long, but but sort of like wow if that is that is that a, is that an okay way for her to go out? Yeah. I'm Are you sure done that with her? Had that many uh, repercussions on Lorcan? Like, <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, well, he doesn't he doesn't uh I think he he was supposed to help her overthrow Cerchi because that's out the window. Yeah, <laughs> she's still Soul Sapphire, right? So. Could yeah. happen. Well, and 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 I also because those scenes in in um, in hell, right, were, were interesting because you continued to deal with the the succubus situation, and I was like, well, because I, I was curious. Well, we're now in fifth edition, and things have kind of gone back, and you'd kind of embraced the fourth edition way. What's going to happen? And then it was pointed out by by one of the other um, discussants in the earlier part that if you look at the timeline, um, the sundering hasn't finished yet. Right? We're, not actually, we're not actually in the 5th edition version of the realms as this book takes place. Like, <laughs> I'm digging my heels in because I know what I know. No, that, I'm kidding. Th- that family oh. has had a really, really busy year. Like they, <laughs> It hasn't even been a year since they've come back. No, it's been longer than a It's been a year, hasn't it? Not according to oh, his timeline. Oh, <laughs> <Well>, hell. <laughs> Can't say it's boring. Yeah, they, they've been active. <laughs> no. And I, I did plant a little of that succubus change early on when when the the bone devil shows up and is mm-hmm. talking to Lorcan, trying to get stuff out information out of Lorcan, and he's like trying to give him crappy gossip about the succubus queens because you've got succubi that are they're I mean they're they're neutral evil now right because there's there's some of them that side with the hells and some of them that side with the abyss and some mm-hmm. of them are sort of free range um, so actually in Fire in the Blood when the uh, Oh, I think it's Fire in the Blood, where there's a, a raid on Stygia. Yeah, it's Fire in the Blood, with a raid on Stygia. And, and the succubi are involved. They, they say, oh, they're from, they ran back to the abyss. Um, but I think that's the cool thing about the succubi, because you could have, you could have these three groups. And I, I imply that there are three, that three of the succubus queens are um, leading those three different groups and saying, hey, I'm the real deal and help me beat my sister down and but at the same time, like they could very easily all be colluding behind the scenes, and they're shape changers. So how do you know that the succubus that's like totally on your side today isn't the one you were fighting yesterday? Yeah. Uh, but then they're really useful. So. Yeah. No. That's uh, and and it's you you layer in multiple storylines here uh, at the same time, and and Tracy mentioned Serce as a major player earlier and, and having been possessed by Briseis, Kakistos and all that. Um, I was, 
it came up in our conversation about Cersei and and Dahl. Have they never met before throughout all of their <laughs> these adventures? They haven't. They have never met before. Isn't that bonkers? Okay, so when she, so that was her that shows up and makes the deal for the firstborn. Mm-hmm. That was. I mean, that was Bryce's Kakistos. That wasn't Cersei. Well, right, right, right. But right, it was but, it was yeah, yeah, it was her in in Cersei's like, body. Yeah, but he's never met her. I I looked for that because I was like, how is that possible? But she, um, so she doesn't ever show up in Lesser Evils, and she doesn't ever show up outside of the Tower in Adversary. And she doesn't come around Farida in Fire in the Blood, so she never shows up around Dahl. Okay, yeah, because I was because I because he clearly didn't know her when he when yeah. she showed up, and so I just sort of maybe wasn't catching the 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 details and assumed that it was that other warlock collector that Lorcan went to. Um, what was her name? The Vile. Was it Violent Inquisitor or something like that? Oh, Shatai? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just, I just kind of assumed that it, it must have been, must have been her. Yeah, just, the Violent was, Inquisitor. Right. So I just sort of assumed it was her oh. and let it go. Uh, and then, Shatai. and then, yeah, the, 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 a Polarian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then, and then they pointed out that no, it was Cersei. I'm like, oh, oh, that actually makes oh, way I'm more sense. And why they would, she would want, you know, Bryceus Cascades would want the firstborn and what she had planned for it and all that. So. I did have a, a doll-based question, though. Um, so, Doll tells this story about how he made up the Peridor name. Yes. <laughs> when, he, when he went off to the temple, he didn't want to be looked at as some, uh, you know, farm rube. So, he makes right. up the Peridor name. However, Sessica is known oh, as no, no. Sessica Peridor, right? He doesn't make it up. He, he just borrows it. He just takes his grandmother's name. It's not oh. his real last name. He doesn't... But he just he started using it when he went to went off to the okay. Dome of Reason. Okay. Yeah, he didn't he didn't make it up. He just he was like, I need a last name. This is the last name in my family because Sessica's not from the Dales, right? Right. She's from. I think she's from Chondath, but now I don't remember. She's yeah, from Chondath a... or Chisenta. It's one. Yeah, of them. <laughs> it's one of the one of those. I I kind of remember that too. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so this is actually this is this is one of those things that's a it's a little bit of a um a retcon because that was I gave him that name and I decided he was from the Dales and that was all fine and good and then I started um when it, it actually it was around um adversary because I had added in Thara and I kind of wanted I wanted Thara to be from the Dales too because she's part of that Harper's network and I was like oh what if they kind of know the same people right because it's you know, those towns are pretty far apart, but, but you know, you could have a cousin and, and it would be, it would kind of emphasize the, the sort of small worldness of, of the Dales. And so I got out the, um, like the Volo's Guide to the Dale Lands and the Dale Lands setting stuff from second edition. And I was going through and, and I found this thing and it said, like, most people in the Dale Lands don't have a last name. Mm. And I was like, wait, crap. <laughs> so, like, I just was kind of like, well, why would Doll have a last name then? And, and I kind of went, well, what if, what if he didn't? What if he didn't? And this is this super dorky thing that he did. And actually, in an earlier draft, I had, um, I think Mira said something about, like, I think when Mira said she was looking for Seska Peridor, she did it in front of Bodar, and she said something about his last name, and Bodar just, like, totally loses it and makes fun of Doll. Like, oh, my God, are you still doing that, you dork? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, speaking of Sessica, I thought it was awesome having a grandmother adventurer. I love her. <laughs> yeah, and I thought she was done for. But maybe not. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't know how much that drives people crazy when I leave those little kind of tales. Because I feel like you're writing in a shared world that ties into an RPG. And, like, if you really like Sessica and you want, you know... You want her to turn into a Koatoa demigoddess? Rock on, man. Like, that's a fun that's a fun little surprise in the Underdark. Go for it. Yeah. You know? Or maybe, you know, they try to swim out of there and she drowns. I don't know. Are you implying that you don't have future plans for her? I don't at the moment. Oh, interesting. Similar it's a similar thing to the like the nameless one where you don't I don't say explicitly whether she escapes. Which I think fits kind of with her shift from from her, her, her momentary doubt in Char. But people ask me all the time, they're like, oh, what happened to her? And I'm like, what do you want to happen to her? Do it. Like, <laughs> that's, that's part of this, this stuff is you can make up your own story. It's, do you like her? Go for it. She's your new villain. She's somebody that your adventurers are going to help. But then, oops, they find out who she is, right? Who knows? Right on. But, Speaking of things I want you to do more more of and you won't. Uh, when are we going to get our side trek novels of Tam Zawad and the Adventures of the Harpers? That would be pretty fun, wouldn't it? I know. I've been telling you since we first met him back in what Neverwinter that how much I enjoyed Tam, and I want to have more. Yeah. And all I get is like little mentions. Oh yeah, Dad's back there. <laughs> Moving on. You know? I will tell you, he comes back in the next book, not at the level of lesser evils, but he does come back. All right. I'll look for it. Well. But you got a little Mira, right? We did, we did it. Well, although I, I, I'd forgotten who she was. You tie back <laughs> to previous novels so much. And she, Mira hadn't, didn't, wasn't even in the last book, right? Um, I think the last time we saw her, she, they were at the library. She gets mentioned in Adversary. Because okay. early on, um, Dahl is, when Dahl is like, doing that briefing stuff and he's talking to the Tam and he, and he, and they, he tells them like that she's, she's like infiltrating this Bedeen tribe. And, right. um, and then he's like, he mentions that he thinks that she's hooking up with the guy who runs it, which was a short story I really wanted to write, but was not a, an option, which it actually becomes more interesting now that, you know, you find out that she and doll had a thing. Yeah, it wasn't until my second listen through that I caught that her last name was Zawad, and I'm like, oh, 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 oh it's that one, it's that girl. I remember her. <laughs> you, you, uh, we, me- I mentioned this in the discussion too that you uh, pack a lot into this book, like it's dense, and um, some authors assume that the reader is, I guess, not paying attention, and so when something important happens, they like harp on it for like three paragraphs. So as an audiobook, if I zone out for a second, it's not a big deal. I'll catch it later, right? Um, right. you treat me as a reader much more intelligently, so I have to be paying attention, you know? I don't like books that talk to me like I'm a dummy, so yeah, I don't no. write well, them. And, and, and I just know, I just need to know that when I'm, you know, I can't, I can't do dishes and listen at the same time. I have to be able to pay attention more. Uh, speaking though of Mira, I did, I, I thought it was great that it was a very frank discussion about relationships and like how sometimes... People stay in them longer than they should because of certain <laughs> <laughs> enticements. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a lot of reasons to be in a relationship. Some of them stack up a little more than others, maybe. Yeah. So it's I, one of those I, things, like, I don't know. I feel like, like, I don't know. In Lesser Evils, he was really into her, obviously. And I think on paper they have a lot in common. But ultimately, I just don't think Mira really, like, wants a boyfriend. That's just a lot of people. Mm. <laughs> she wants to be alone with her with her artifacts and her dick sites and obscure shoe column structures. She also seems to be um, very independent and almost rebellious, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So society tells me I should be in a relationship. Screw that. I'm going to do my own thing. It might be. I think I the thing I found... I didn't find it so much this time, but when I was writing Lesser Evils, she's the kind of character where, like, like I, it's it, I talk about this like they're real people, and I know they're not real people, but like when I write about Farida and I start going in the wrong direction, like it's hard because Farida kind of just like when I'm writing it, like she'll kind of just go along with it, right? And and sort of like okay, I'm I'm supposed to do this now. I'll do this. And it takes a while to go, oh, this doesn't feel right. But whenever I would write about Mira, it was like, it was as if she would just kind of stop and walk off the page. Like, no, I'm not doing this. Like, <laughs> it, it, was, it was just, she's a very, like, a character who knows her own mind so much that, like, it was, it was like the scene would just stop dead. And I'm like, I'm going in the wrong direction. I can't make her do something that doesn't fit. Um, so, you know, for better or worse, like she knows who she is. Mm-hmm. She's rebellious even against the author. Yes. <laughs> Tracy, do you have any, any last questions? I can't think of any right now. All right, right on. Well, we've talked. We I think we we chatted for a good fifty minutes before, and now we've already talked for another what forty almost. Uh, so it'll, it's going to be a long episode. But uh, any last things you want people to know about Ashes of the Tyrant? Oh, everybody should buy a copy and read mm-hmm. it. Of course. Um, I really hope that this makes people excited about Dragonborn. I hope it gives you cool ideas and, and you know, makes them feel a little more like they fit in the Forgotten Realms. And if you enjoyed it, then I hope you pre-order The Devil You Know, which is now called The Devil You Know and not Free to Four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I will be turning in in a week. Oh. Very excited. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Susan mentioned something about your deadlines coming up. Oh, jeez. On, on top. <laughs> I on, well, I'm making her nervous. <laughs> no, I think I think I'd mentioned it off the air to her, and oh, and she's like, yeah, because yeah, you've got other things going on in your life right now that are fairly time consuming and stressful. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> But uh, it'll it'll get done. It'll get there. We 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 have patience and faith. Do you do you know sort of what release they're what they're looking at for that book? October. October fourth is the plan. October fourth. Wait, yep. the the book's coming out on my birthday. <gasps> is it? It oh, is. Oh, I better get a signed <laughs> copy for for my birthday. All right, send me your address. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. All right. Mine don't always show up on. They don't always show up on on the day they come out. Sometimes they take a little extra. Nah. We'll see. Very good, very good. Well, uh, we will make sure to check that out in October. It seems like a long time to wait. You see, you keep pulling things in from previous books, and then I have to go back and re-listen to them from the beginning to ca- to catch up again. 
Oh, darn. <laughs> <laughs> Life is hard. Jeez. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. It's been fun. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a blast. That's the end of the episode of the Tim Shubba Club. We want to thank all of our listeners, Noble Knight, for sponsoring us. Uh, the listeners who go out and use the affiliate links on D&D Classics and Amazon. We also want to thank Jeffrey D. Wynn from the Appendix N podcast for joining us. Where should people look for you, Appendix N podcast? Uh, you should just listen to the Appendix N podcast. Yeah, right that's here a on great the, suggestion. On, on the Tome Show's feed. Beautiful. I really enjoy the show. It's It's been going incredibly well, and I enjoy the in-depth sort of uh, dive into some of this literature that inspired the game. I'll, I'll have to get back to editing more episodes soon. There you go. Eric, you're oh. here too. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> People should check Sorry. you out at Eric M. Pack, yep. P-A-Q, on Twitter. Yep. Uh, if people want to reach out to Tracy, she's Sarah Darkmagic, and I am Squatch, S-Q-U-A-C-H. And if you'd like to contact us, you can send us an email at thetomeshow at gmail.com or call our biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. It's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. And if you want to find show notes and other great Tome Show shows like Appendix N, you can head over to thetomeshow.com. And that is our thoughts on Ashes of the Tyrant. Next up in March and April, we are reading I Strahd by P.N. Elrod. Since, you know, things are turning all Ravenlofty in D&D these days, we figured it would be good to visit the character who got it all started in this definitive novel about that character. Until then, keep turning the page, Tomites. I'm on the wall.